All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. All right, you guys, introducing Jonathan Ophir. He writes for Phil Weiss over at mondoweiss.net, which means I like him. Friend of Phil <laughs> is a friend of mine. And this one says, another mainstream Israeli voice warns of apartheid. The Israeli finance minister, Bezalel Smotrich, published a shocking plan. Oh, wait, that's a separate issue. <laughs> um, Ron Ben Yishai finally recognizes the danger. Uh, welcome to the show, Jonathan. How are you doing? Oh, thanks, Scott. I'm doing very well. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, very happy to have you here. So, listen, this is such an important and controversial topic and point to make. Um, about whether Israel is an apartheid state. And, you know, if you say that on Twitter, sometimes people get really mad and say, what in the world are you talking about? So I guess let's start with that, Jonathan Ophir. Why would anyone, much less another mainstream Israeli voice, um, accuse Israel, our friends, the Israelis, of uh, maintaining an apartheid state? Right. Well... It's, it's important to note here um, that um, this person I'm fo focusing on in this article, Ron Benny Shai, he's this, you know, this veteran journalist. Um, he, he's now about 80 and, and you know, he, he's, you might have noticed him um, from the coverage on the Sabra and Shatila massacres in 1982. He was the first journalist to enter the camps following the massacres so he's kind of known for from that and and he's a you know he's kind of the elite of the israeli military um journalist establishment you know he's the go-to on on those things I see. um so he it's important to say he is not calling israel an apartheid state that that's that's something i i, I also point out in the beginning of the article you know this warning about Israel becoming an apartheid state. It's it's it started all the way. You know, even Ben Gurion, the first prime minister, is cited for it. Itzhak Rabin, um, uh, Ehud Barak, uh, Ehud Olmert, various prime ministers. They've been warning, you know, of Israel becoming an apartheid state. Um, and the, their basic point, and I think that's that's also Ben Ishai's angle in this. Is it's a warning. They, they've been sa basically saying, um, you know, if we don't get get a separation from the Palestinians, if we don't get the partition, if we don't get the two state solution, you know, that it, it, um, then we'll have a kind of binational state. And um, many have sort of claimed that if we'll be a minority ruling a majority without rights, we'll be an apartheid state, right? So it was used like this kind of warning of saying, you know, we've got to make this 
two-state solution happen somehow. Otherwise, we'll be in an apartheid state. Mm -hmm. Which, importantly, um, the argument is not that I've ever heard from any of those people that you've named there that, geez, we really should give equal rights to all the Palestinians under our jurisdiction. The emergency is, and this is even you know from the liberal Zionist take in America, the emergency is we better let them go so that we're not responsible for them so that we don't have to give them equal rights in a single state, which is still an improvement over the status quo, but still pretty cynical take too. Yeah, you're right. I agree. Um, that's, that's the, uh, that's the attempt. Um, but, but the thing there, there is nonetheless, you know, when I wrote this article for Mondowise, we, we've had this discussion, you know, with the editorial, cause I kept qualifying, like, what do they really mean when they say apartheid? And, um, and the thing is that we need to see if there's a, a kind of development anyway in what's happening here in relation to what happened when when Olmert said it, uh, you know, a decade and a half ago, or when Ehud Barak said it, or when Ben Gurion or Rabin said it. You know, what 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 is being responded to here? And what is being responded to here is basically what you started with, kind of erroneously, with this plan by the other guy, this finance minister um and he's he, he's actually not just finance minister he's got a specifically you know like an especially especially tailored uh, ministry in the defense ministry overseeing Palest occupied palestinian territories basically you know he wants to control settlements and building approvals for settlements and prevent uh, Palestinian uh, buildings and dis and and basically, you know, be responsible for destructions of them. Um, so he's got that. Um, they didn't let him become defense minister. There were 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 reports about him wanting to get the defense ministry in the negotiations with Netanyahu, um, but he he didn't get that. They thought that would be a step too far, like too provocative. You know, this religious Zionist furthest. Uh, messianic fanatical right getting the defense ministry but he got something in the defense ministry and his plan Smotrich's plan is actually something that um, he published and 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 it's online um, he published in 2017 uh, when he was a kind just a lawmaker he wasn't a minister in the Jewish home party then and um, yeah, I wrote about it at the time and I called it, you know, his vision for apartheid. And now um, this Ron Benny Shai is saying, look, um, these judicial, this judicial uh, revolution or overhaul or, or whatever um, that so many Israelis are demonstrating against, you know, there's this demonstration, these demonstrations for democracy, as yeah. they're called. I was going to ask um, you how much that has to do with the occupation or whether that's just... Well, I can leave it at that. Yeah, well, um, there are those who say it's got, uh, it, it should have a lot to do with the occupation. Um, and, but, but that's uh, unfortunately a very, uh, a, a very small minority. And it's a voice that is being kind of crushed here because in these demonstrations, you know, there's, there's been a group, you know, when there was a hundred thousand, maybe there was like a couple of hundred uh, that were grouping together with Palestinian flags, but um, the majority of those participants they really didn't like that. Neither did the organizers, um, and they and some you know some vigilantes went over and beat them up and took their flags and stuff like that. But the organizers 
kind of did it in another more kind of elegant fashion. They simply decided to flood the demonstrations, which are basically like, you know, they've been weekly, like Saturday demonstrations, flood them with, with flags, Israeli flags that they bought um, and, and, and uh, basically have the, you know, the whole, the whole scene flooded with Israeli flags so that they would drown um, the, um, you know, the, the scene of Palestinian flags because they didn't like all the right, you know, Netanyahu's right was also mocking them for, hey, you're, you know, you're treacherous, you're waving Palestinian flags, you want the enemy to win. Um, so they didn't like that. So basically, the, you know, the, the main uh, dominant voice of these demonstrations is these, uh, you know, this uh, Zionist nationalist, um, uh, yeah, in, in, in line, this, this Zionist line that we're patriots, but we want a strong judiciary. We don't want you to crush the Supreme Court. Now, what um, Benny Shai is saying now, back to this Smotrich plan. Um, so the Smotrich plan is, is basically a plan. I'll, I'll make it very, very simple, very short, in very short summary. It's, it's saying, okay, we don't want to apologize anymore. We don't want to play like maybe we'll annex, maybe we won't annex the, the, what he calls, you know, Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, the West Bank, the Judea and Samaria, the biblical names, uh, what is really occupied Palestinian territory. No, we'll just, you know, we'll declare it. The Palestinians won't accept it. Uh, they don't want to accept it, but that's tough. That's our land. We don't want to apologize. It's all ours. From the river to the sea, it's all ours. Now the Palestinians have to either, A, is accepted officially and they have to behave themselves. They have to officially accept that they are like a, a second class, even not, not even citizens. They're like residents somehow in these enclaves, in the uh, urban uh, centers. Mm -hmm. uh, or two, um, they can emigrate voluntarily, as it were. You know, we'll now, this even, is Smotrich's plan that you're describing here, right? Yes, yes. Uh -huh. um, we, we might even give, Israel might even give them uh, economic incentive to help them emigrate somewhere else, just get the hell out. Or three, if they show any sign of resistance, like especially armed resistance, of course, you know, the, the, he says the army will know exactly what to do when given the directive. Uh, he'll, they'll kill whoever needs killing, collect all the uh, weapons to the last bullet and subdue them like that. So basically it's like um, accept apartheid, emigrate or die. That, that's, that's basically Smartridge's plan. And that plan is very, very explicit in this way. So that's why someone like Ron Benishai, who is not a leftist in any way, he's a very militaristic, you could call him a centrist in Zionist relativity, but he's, you know, he's a military establishment guy. Um, uh, 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 Colonel, uh, Lieutenant Colonel in, in the reserves. Um, he's, he's saying, oh, that's, that's apartheid. That's, he's already calling that apartheid in his title. Because if that was that explicit, um, then, you know, if everything was officially annexed, if it was all official, accept apartheid or emigrate and or die, then it, it no one would be able to hide that, that it's apartheid. And he, and he's saying, Benny Shai is saying um, that, um, 
there's an aim in the assault on the or the wish to reform the judiciary that is coming from the government. Um, and, and it's not just to help uh, Netanyahu's corruption cases. It's also to prevent um, the Supreme Court from being a hurdle uh, on the way to this plan. And he's saying Smotrich is now positioned to realize his, it's called the decisive plan, or he calls it also new hope um, from 2017. He's positioned, he's in the right place now as a minister to actually make that happen. Um, yeah, so it's kind of, it kind of takes us back to the apartheid, right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. um, because when you, you asked your question about who's saying apartheid and how can you say apartheid? Well, okay, at this point, a lot of people are saying apartheid. Basically, the human rights com community, including Human Rights Watch, Amnesty, and also the Israeli B'Tselem, who came out first, actually, with their apartheid report, have been saying this. It, 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 they've, issued, they've all issued reports um, that saying that Israel practices apartheid. They've had different focuses, uh, but... Well, um, and importantly, in it... I think a big deal that they all did that in 2021 after the, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the exact name of it, but the, this is our land, not your land law was passed. And then they all said, all right, that's it. Because now there's, well, and, and also I guess Netanyahu had announced a sort of half aborted official annexation of the West Bank as well. And they said, okay, so now in other words, the pretension that, okay, you don't have any freedom now. You don't have any rights now, but one day we're going to give you independence and a state, and then you're going to have your rights then. That that pretext was now shot. And without that excuse for why they don't have rights now, that they're going to have them Sunday, then what does that mean? That means the status quo holds, and then, as in you were citing Netanyahu's statement before, all of Judea and Samaria belongs to Jews, not to the Palestinians at all, the Christians and the Muslims there at all. And... Um, so that's the deal, right? It's been apartheid for a long time. But now the phony pretension that someday it's going to not be because there's this solution over the horizon. Now that that's over, now Human Rights Watch and Amnesty have to admit it. Yeah, I think I think there there's a there's a great deal of, of truth in, in in what you're describing there, uh, Scott. And and I'll I'll just kind of buttress it with with a few facts so i think the law that you're referring to is is so-called the, the the so-called nation state law um you you called it the this is our land not yours land yeah that's from actually from 2018 mid 2018 and it kind of codifies um israel as a as, as, as a racist apartheid state yeah um that that's you know that's that's my reading of it um but um, in, it, it's it's a process. And uh, to support what you're saying, um, you can look at Ken Roth. Kenneth Roth, he was the director for th three decades, I think, uh, of, of the Human Rights Watch. Um, he's, he's left recently, and there was a big controversy about whether he would receive fellowship at Harvard, and they, they tried to prevent it at Harvard, and there was backlash. And he got he got it, um, but he is saying um, that yes, this was a process, and what led, what kind of really led to uh, doing this 
um, to actually calling Israel an apartheid state or, or analyzing how it practices apartheid as a singular state. Um, it, it, it's that, that loss of prospect. The, the two-state idea was kind of keeping them a bay. He, he admits it. And he even admits that they discussed, we, we were, I think Phil wrote about this in Mondo as he um, reported on it. Um, so Ken Roth says that, that they even discussed with Betselem, like who would go first at it. And Betselem actually went first at it in, in, in beginning of, of 21. And, and then came um, Human Rights Watch. And, and, and last year, uh, 22, then came uh, Amnesty. Um, if I'm correct. So um, basically, it's they, they're not the first ones. That's important to say. I mean, human rights organizations like Al-Haq, Al-Mizan, they've been saying it before them. And there's, by the way, there was, by the way, a great report uh, of from 2017 by Richard Falk and Virginia Tilly, uh, commissioned by a, a UN agency, ESQA, um, Economic and Social... Uh, uh, committee, uh, Commission for West Asia. Um, great report um, about uh, Israeli apartheid, uh, basically from its inception. And, and this is something that Amnesty also joins, that the apartheid policy was actually present from the beginning. Yeah. Um, Human Rights Watch are a, a bit more cautious in that sense, and 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 uh, Betselem a bit more vague in that sense. But Betselem went out first in, uh, of, of those three, and um, I mean from Betselem, Human Rights Watch, and Amnesty, and yeah. said this is a regime of Jewish supremacy from the Mediterranean. Sorry, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. Right. Um, so they called it a single apartheid regime, and that was also uh, definitive. Um, they said, we've been monitoring, you know, human rights abuses in the occupied Palestinian territories for three decades, but we've been looking at it as a, you know, as a one territory, and there's another regime there. And no, we, it's, it's, it's wrong to look at it as a, a dual regime. Um, it's a one regime of Jewish supremacy. So that that view of things, uh, it, it did it did come out of the loss of that that prospect of the you know that supposed uh, two state solution. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it shows also that um, also for people like uh, Benny Shai, um, that idea of a two state solution has been important um, to shield. Right. You know, to uh, to shield from um, the accusation or or the analysis uh, uh, of apartheid, because you're right, exactly like you say. If it was temporary, if if the occupation uh, is is just a temporary matter, and never mind that it's uh, gone on for uh, what fifty six years. Um, if it's a temporary matter, then somewhere in the undefined horizon, you know, uh, all of this is going to change. But if it doesn't change. Um, then, then it's what it is. Um, and Smotrich, back to Smotrich here, uh, Smotrich. Well, wait, let me, is, hold that thought for just one second, because I, I want to dwell on this for just one moment, because um, I'm, I'm trying to refer back to, you know, when I was much younger and didn't understand the situation, my kind of, you know, TV understanding of it that I project onto at least newer members of my audience. I know that people really don't know this stuff. And people really respond to learning it. Uh, that 
because there's so much confusion here. One of the main tactics, or I don't know if this is a deliberate tactic, but one of the effects of the framing land for peace going back to the 1990s or, you know, this promise of a two-state solution one day. It sounds to American ears like terrorists are extorting land from Israel. And Israel, geez, for some reason, the horrible American government is encouraging them to give up land to this terrible extortion to these foreign invading Arab terrorists who are trying to steal their Israel away from them. And they don't ever say on American TV, no, 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 the Palestinians were there first and they're still there. And this Israeli state has sprung up all around them and they're essentially now kidnapped and locked in the basement on their own territory. And so there is always kind of this confusion where Palestine is already the state next door that's invading and harassing and using terrorist attacks against Israel. But also someday maybe there will be a Palestinian state. And the reason why is because TV just doesn't say that, look, Israel controls all the land from the river to the sea. And millions of Palestinians are still there. They could cleanse a certain number of them, but not enough for their purposes. Hence the conflict. So, you know, I like to make the analogy because, of course, the Hawks in America love to make the analogy like um, Ben Shapiro loves to pretend that when there's a conflict between the Israeli government and Hamas, that what would you do, he'll say, if Mexico was firing Mm. rockets over the border. So now it's an international border. And now, of course, Mexico means the sovereign government in Mexico City and their armed military force. What would America do if Mexico attacked us? We'd kick their ass is what we'd do. But that's not what's going on here at all. These aren't Mm. Mexicans. These are Indians locked in a reservation, already conquered on U.S. soil completely surrounded with a wall around them and constantly being bombed. And so, in other words, it's much more like an Attica prison riot than an invasion across a foreign border. But nobody ever tells the Americans that. So that's why I like to. And I like to go ahead and if I, if I feel like I need to, if we're getting too deep in the weeds, I want to zoom out a little bit so that people understand. That's what we're talking about here. I mean, ask yourself, why would Phil Weiss and Jonathan Offier and so many other, even millions of American Jews be so critical of Israel? It's because what Israel's doing is wrong. That's why, right? It's not a fight about Jewishness or Judaism or uh, who's in and out in the diaspora or this or that. It's the apartheid. It's the mistreatment of millions and millions and millions of essentially captive Palestinians. Yeah, I I agree with you, uh, Scott. I, I just have to correct you. If anyone got the impression or you got the impression that I was an American Jew, um, that I'm not. Oh, I'm sorry. I did have that impression. That was my mistake. Uh, and, and, no, yeah. Well, I was, I was in the USA as a kid. That's another story. Uh, that's where I might have the accent from uh, Houston, Texas, even. Um, but uh, well, you don't no, really no, sound I, like a Texan. But anyway, go ahead. No, 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 I don't. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Go ahead. So where are you I from? Don't. Um, no, I, I'm. I come from Israel. Um, I grew up in Israel. Yeah, so never yeah. even mind. Why would American Jews say that? Why would an Israeli Jew say that? <laughs> right. It's because yeah, right. there's a problem here. Right. That's all it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it, it's true. Um, it, it, this is very much a question of framing. And I think um, Nura Erekat, uh, you know her, uh, I think. Uh, yes, I uh, spoke to her one time, yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, she, she wrote a, a great article about, about this, uh, you know, this argument of self-defense. You know, every time Hamas fires rockets, you know, they Obama or, or whoever it is, uh, you know, come out and say uh, Israel has the right to, for self-defense, to self-defense, right? So she's write, writing this article that uh, an occupier doesn't actually have the right of self-defense in inter international law, um, you know, to defend themselves against the people they're occupying. Um, they might say they're doing it, but while, while they are occupying, um, they are still carrying out the act of aggression of, uh, and, and um, of, of the occupation aggression. So they can't defend against those who are uh, resisting the occupation and whatever, you know, you can discuss the means of resisting that occupation. Okay. Um, and it's true that um, Gaza, also, now Gaza is the most, you know, extreme case of Israeli occupation because on that, on that notion on that term there there's a big discussion is gaza occupied yes gaza is occupied the un knows it even the us state department knows it it's it's um but israel created this this um mirage this this this, this deceiving image that israel just left gaza in 2005 cuz there was the disengagement right um, but Israel never really left Gaza. It, uh, they, what Israel did was it decided that it wasn't worth it, you know, maintaining the nine, ten thousand uh, uh, settlers um, in such a small zone that was, of course, hostile to them and having so many soldiers and not worth it. Too many Palestinians in Gaza now, about two million. Um, better do it in the West Bank, you know. And but. They, they left the settlements, the colonies, basically, we can call them. They left them and they left a couple of, uh, of settlements in the, in the West Bank. And, and um, then they said, okay, we're out of Gaza. But Israel kept control over Gaza all the time. It, it still does. It, con it controls the birth registry. It controls entry of everything, exit of everything, water, electromagnetic space, everything. And, um, and it basically chokes uh, Gaza to a level of, you know, uh, uh, being unlivable as the UN uh, uh, already estimated. It's, it's officially unlivable, uh, uninhabitable. Um, Sarah Roy, you know, of Harvard, she's, she, she was saying that, you know, people are, children are slowly being poisoned by the unpotable water that they consume. Um, Gaza is an extreme, extreme case. But uh, what Israel did, if you want to get into those weeds just shortly. Um, so what Israel did with Gaza, it, it officially disengaged from Gaza. Mm -hmm. And um, shortly uh, around that time, an advisor for uh, Ariel Sharon, you know, he was the prime minister at the time, his advisor, Dov Weisglass, um, he explained, um, there's an article in arts, even he explained like what the purpose of that disengagement was. 
he called it formal dehyde, um, that it would basically freeze the peace process because no one would ever, after Israel, you know, disengaged, went out of Gaza, no one would ever talk about the West Bank anymore. And uh, Israel would be free to um, realize its uh, settlement plans. And um, and there wouldn't be talk of a peace process. He says all this peace process, you know, it would be stopped until he said he said it would stop. It would not be there until it would be there when Palestinians turned into Finns. He said, like Finnish people, right? Right. Um, it wouldn't wouldn't happen. So um, so there's this big misconception about uh, Gaza, and um, it, I don't know what Israel will do with Gaza. I don't know if it, Israel knows what it will do with Gaza. Um, but um, but what Israel is doing, you know, it, its big arena of of colonization is is clearly the uh, West Palestinian West Bank. Right. Wait. Hold that thought for just one second. I wanted to make sure that people can find this footnote uh, easily here uh, around here, just in case anyone missed it. it you know, it's just an audio podcasting. We pronounce it formaldehyde. That was the quote. Was the disengagement oh, oh, is actually right. formaldehyde? formaldehyde. Right, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I just want to make sure people can find that. It's Dove Weissglass worked for Ariel. Own, was essentially yeah. laughing Security and mocking advisor. the Palestinians. Yeah. That's right. We oh, we're disengaging, but what we're really doing is we're screwing the Palestinians by doing this. It means we don't have yeah. to negotiate with them anymore. Divide and conquer. Simple as that. Yeah, and he said it was with the blessing of both houses of Congress. That's yep. how he said it. Yep. Sorry. Hang on just one second. Hey, y'all. Scott Horton here for Tennessee Hot Sauce Company. Man, this stuff is so good. They get all different flavors. Garlic habanero, honey habanero, pineapple habanero, poblano jalapeno, and the blood orange ghost. They're all so good, I swear. And for a limited time, Tennessee Hot Sauce Company is featuring official Scott Horton Hotter Than the Sun thermonuclear hot sauce. It's full of Carolina Reapers, Scorpion Peppers, Dr. Pepper, hydrogen isotopes, and all kinds of things that'll burn your tongue clean off. Seriously, it's really good. Get yourself a hot sauce subscription. Spend $40 or more and use promo code SCOTT to get a free bottle of Hotter Than The Sun hot sauce. That's tnhotsauceco.com. Hey, y'all got to check out these awesome busts of our hero, the great Ron Paul. They're made by the renowned sculptor Rick Casali. They're 13 inches tall, hand-painted bronze resin based on Casali's brilliant original. Y'all may have seen mine in the background on my bookshelf in some recent interviews. The thing is unbelievable. Check out this incredible piece of art at rickasali.com slash ronpaul, and you'll see what I mean. Use promo code Horton, and you'll save 25 bucks, and this show will get a little kickback, too. That's rickasali.com slash ronpaul. Casali is C-A-S-A-L-I, rickasali.com slash ronpaul. And there's free shipping, too. That's right, he says, and all this with a U.S. presidential blessing and the ratification of both houses of Congress. Ha, ha, ha. And to quote Netanyahu, the Americans are easily moved. 80% of them support us. It's absurd, he said. And in that, I agree with the prime minister. Um, <laughs> all right, now, so the West Bank, you're right. So this is the big deal, right? So people understand the, I guess if they could, they'd transfer all the Palestinians from the West Bank to Gaza. They care much less about owning and controlling the Gaza Strip as compared to what they call Judea and Samaria. And now is that just for biblical reasons or just because the next step is conquering Jordan and Iraq and you got to start somewhere or what? 
Nah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That was I a greater Israel that. joke. Go ahead. <laughs> I think we've got enough, and Israel has has got enough on its its plate with, with with um, you know, kind of uh, conglomerating its plans for for colonizing the West Bank. Uh, what what about Gaza? Well, Gaza, you know, from from the beginning, Gaza is, is right now about seventy percent refugees. Yeah. Um. It it's. It's where Israel threw away its refugees, and it's where it still has them stored, uh, and and it has them stored under lock and key, um, and um, that that's that's Gaza. Uh, there are refugees um, in the West Bank, a, a lot of them, um, and a lot of them in Jordan and other places. Uh, but but Gaza is like a you you can call it a refugee even concentration camp like even you know even israeli arts journalist amira has 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 used that term um at least open air prison um so about the west bank well it the, the reality in the west bank looks actually a lot like it, it it looks that's what i point out in my article it look it's like scary how much it looks like smartrich's plan because Israel actually controls the, the Oslo agreements of 93, 95. Um, they stipulated that there will be, you know, a temporary, it, they were supposed to be like temporary for about five years until uh, so-called final uh, settlement is, is negotiated uh, within five years, that there would be these areas like area A, B, and C. And that, those are areas in the West Bank and that Israel would control area C fully. That's 61% of the West Bank. Then there is another area, area, areas A are like Palestinian urban zones controlled by the Palestinian authority. And areas B are kind of surrounding those enclaves a little bit, you know, the periphery uh, around those enclaves. Um, that's area uh, B. And that's even but, where that Netanyahu quote about how absurd it is that America goes along with Israel comes from. Mm -hmm. Is He's telling this family, uh, I guess, supposedly the yeah. video recorders should have been stopped, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And he's telling them, yeah, that Bill Clinton's such a sucker. I made him do a Monica Lewinsky on me, man. I get whatever I want from that tool. Like, for example, I told him, oh, yeah, you know, but not Area C. And then guess what? Area C's the whole damn West Bank. Ha ha. <laughs> he's so stupid. Yeah, well, he, that's he was a direct saying, translation. No, it's, it's close paraphrase. <laughs> no, uh, that video. Yeah, I know very well. Not that um, the Israelis tapping Bill Clinton's phone while he was compromising himself with Monica Lewinsky had anything to do with his position on Israel Palestine, though. Okay, sorry, that was a joke too. Go ahead. Okay, I'll let you. I'll let you do that. Um, but. Um, no way that that video where he's talking to the settler family um i think it's in 2001 um he's not even in politics at the point and he's saying yeah he's saying you know i i i found a way how to how to you know circumvent the problem of the oslo accords because the oslo accords we're talking about gradual withdrawals of Israel and eventually, you know, we'll, you'll, you'll have something that looks like a, a state, really, a Palestinian state, I mean, a contiguous Palestinian state, eventually. But he said, oh, I, I just said, well, 
you know, we have this clause there that military zones are not to be withdrawn from. And I said, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the whole damn Jordan Valley is a military zone. So we're not getting out of there and so on. Um, yeah. And, and he kind of brags about how he uh, circumvented the, the problem of, of the Oslo Accords. And it, it, it's actually very, uh, it, it's very general, and, but, but it's, it's depictive of, of what Israel actually uh, did. It used the Oslo Swiss cheese model, basically. Because if you look at that area C, it's not a, it's not like a, a, a block. It's it's like uh, it's the whole West Bank with holes in it. So it surrounds all of those areas B and A as small um, islands in this archipelago of, of it's like 165 small islands in inside this area C cheese. So basically, uh, when we talk about Smotrich's plan about, you know, those Palestinians being in those urban enclaves, he talks about, uh, so it's Nablus, Janine, uh, uh, Bethlehem, and so on, you know, some, some enclaves, that uh, Ramallah and so on, uh, that, that th those enclaves already exist in this frozen Oslo uh, model. Uh, and um, and Israel has so far, you talked about Netanyahu and annexation. Uh, Netanyahu has toyed with this annexation thing. Also, Betsalel, uh, sorry, not Betsalel, um, Naftali Bennett, who was uh, prime minister in the recent so-called government of change, he also he also pushed for it. You know, a, a, de a decade ago, he was talking about it very heavily. Um, and um, there. Israel is kind of toying with this, shall we formally annex or shall we not formally annex? Um, and the uh, so-called uh, Abraham Accords of that Trump uh, introduced, um, they basically, they had this stipulation that, you know, 30% of the West Bank is, is going, uh, and, you know, to be annexed uh, for Israel. And the Israelis said, hey, great. Um, the big thing with the Abraham Accords, though, um, that Netanyahu kind of brags about is, is the ideology. Um, you said land for peace. He brags that he made a new concept. Everyone talked about land for peace, but he made peace for peace. So um, he's saying, yeah, I proved that I we can get normalization, you know, we can get so-called peace, and never mind that those countries were never in, at war with Israel, like uh, United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and then uh, Morocco and Sudan, they never in at war with Israel. We, we got peace, but they, um, you know, it didn't, it didn't uh, involve giving away land to the Palestinians. So Israel is trying to get this kind of normalization of we're here and it's awaiting it's waiting for this mo for the next move where it can uh, sort of solidify um it's uh it's hold and say this is ours officially it, it it has done it you know in some areas so Israel has formally annexed the Syrian Golan uh heights it did that in 1981. It, it, it conquered them in 1967, it, uh, formally annexed in 81. It, form, it annexed 
de facto it annexed East Jerusalem um, from the beginning, but but it did it formally in 1980. Um, and um, it's it, East Jerusalem is actually kind of a model for for what might you know what what, what this plan by Smartrich might look like. And Ron Benishai is saying it, um, is mentioning that the East Jerusalem is kind of like we can see this model of uh, Palestinians being residents, but not citizens. So when is Israel annexed East Jerusalem, it actually, um, well, it increased the municipal bounds tenfold from, you know, from seven square kilometers to 70. So it came to engulf like 28 or something uh, Palestinian villages called it East Jerusalem. And then it it gave them residency. It didn't want to give them citizenship. So residency permit, and it makes them much more vulnerable in terms of uh, expulsion. Yeah. Um, all right. Now, uh, I guess it's, the question is: now that Netanyahu is back in, he has this new coalition, and you know, this guy is. Uh, that you're talking about here, he's not the only one, right? There's this whole group of much further right than before members of Netanyahu's coalition. And I read that this other guy who's a real fanatic is now in charge of security over there, which gives him control over the Temple Mount. And there's some people at least are real concerned for the short-term future here. Uh, you know, I guess the question yeah. is, how how much further to the right compared to even the last Netanyahu government is this and there's i mean tell me there's not a real risk they're going to blow up the al-aqsa mosque and build the third temple and start sacrificing animals and start a world war and stuff right um yeah the the blowing up of you know there have been those who have wanted to do it and there's a whole they've tried before yeah. yeah 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 i yeah. know the shin bet busted i think i read a thing where the explosives were in place when the shin bet busted them before uh, yeah, I can't remember if they were in place, but yeah, it was imminent. Um, the, uh, and those people are basically walking around. Um, and um, there, there's this whole movement, uh, you know, the the temple movement, and they're educated. They're basically they have, you know, kind of tentacles in in the education system, and they have these education programs. Uh, at least were funded by the education ministry of, of, you know, about the educating, about the love, love to the temple and kind of planting this idea of, you know, right now there's this, uh, the Dome of the Rock there and there's this Al-Aqsa temple, but really, you know, the, really that's where the, the, the old Jewish, the Jewish temple is supposed to be re-erected. Um, you know, how far that's going to be uh, realized at any point before, you know, before we all die. Um, I don't know. Um, but um, you're right. Ben Gvir, uh, Itamar Ben Gvir, who is now not just the, there used to, used to be a post called the, the, the police minister or, or the uh, minister of internal security. What, he negotiated a ministry that is called Min, a minister of national security. And it's kind of expanded ministry, and it 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 gives also more direct control over the border police, which is working more specifically in or uh, policing more specifically paramilitarily in the occupied Palestinian territories in the West Bank. 
Um, so yeah, he went up, one of the first things he did, like five days after he was sworn in, he went up to the, uh, Al-Aqsa uh, temple and showed them who's boss and stuff. Um, and the thing is that, that, um, something very interesting happened with, with this guy, uh, Itamar Ben-Gvir, who is a Kahanist. I mean, he is admirer of the rabbi, uh, Mayor Kahana, who is in, in your country, USA, um, he's a, he was a, a convicted terrorist for the Jewish Defense League. Um, so he's an, a, a disciple of this Kahanism. Um, Kahana was even banned from the Knesset in the late 80s for racism, believe it or not. Um, and um, and he, he was this Ben Gvir is an admirer of Baruch Goldstein, who massacred 29 worshippers at the uh, uh, Al Ibrahimi Mosque uh, in uh, in Hebron or Al Halil in 1994. Um, he had a poster of him in in his living room. That he, he reportedly removed it because they told him that it was not good publicity anymore. Um, but you know he 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 admires these guys. So the wait, thing, slow the that slow that down. Just say that again in slow motion. He had a poster on his wall of a guy who went in into a mosque room. and yeah. massacred a bunch of innocent civilians at prayer. Yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So, ben, and Ben Gvir, uh, he's himself convicted for uh, support to a terrorist, Jewish terrorist organization, and incitement uh, to uh, uh, racism and so on. Uh, he has like, I think, 50 indictments or something. Um, and he's become minister of national uh, security and the, the the very thing, very interesting thing that happened here. So, the Kahanism, this whole movement with Mayor Kahana. I mean, he was assassinated in New York in 1990. Yeah, um, he came to Israel. He 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 started up his his Kah fascist movement, Jewish supremacist movement. Was banned from running. I think it was 87, and uh, they they basically outlawed him. Uh, for for racism, he was so explicit in it, um, and and that whole movement was kind of outlawed and and went into the underground, as it were. Uh, but it it got itself mainstreamed through people who actually are, are part of the even the Likud, even in the Likud, you know, like Kahanist ideologues within the Likud, and um, they but they made they slowly made their own revival. And and this uh, Ben Gvir's uh, party is called Jewish Power, um, and um, Netanyahu worked hard to merge him uh, for the for the last ele elections. Mm -hmm. He worked hard to get him merged with uh, Bezalel Smotrich's religious Zionism. Um, so you get these two extreme right uh, Jewish extreme fundamentalists, um, and Smotrich is not even the furthest of them. Ben Gvir is further right, and at first, uh, Smotrich seems to have like more votes going for him um, with his religious Zionism than the Jewish power, right? But when Ben Gvir came in, he started gaining votes and he started gaining popularity. And suddenly the polls were saying, hey, wait a minute, if Ben Gvir leads this religious Zionism conglomerate, then um, he, he, he's actually going to have more votes going for him than uh, Ben, uh, than uh, Smotrich, sorry. 
Um, anyhow, they became like, you know, this Jewish power, they became like the kingmakers of Israeli politics. So, um, so this, this religious Zionism, uh, this Jewish power, and they had a little other party, which is an explicitly anti-LGBTQ uh, party. Um, they they went together and they they got um, their um, I think it was uh, fourteen uh, seats fourteen mandates as it's called and they they became the king kingmakers for um, for for Netanyahu's Likud so yeah that's that's what we're seeing now oh, man. Jonathan, listen, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time on the show, and we're just about out of it now, but I really have learned a lot and happy to make your acquaintance here, and I hope people will go and read this great article at Mondo Weiss, which for some reason I can't find now. What the hell happened to it? Oh, here it is. Another, another mainstream Israeli voice warns of apartheid. Again, that's at MondoWeiss.net. Thank you so much for your time, man. really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, APSRadio.com, Antiwar.com, ScottHorton.org, and LibertarianInstitute.org.